Great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. We feature guests of varying backgrounds and lived experiences to share their empowering stories, knowledge, and insights. Our goal is for you, the listener, to fill your mind with empowering content to further empower your human. I'm your host, Inkeaching Waffle Robinson, and founder and CEO of Empowered in My Skin, Inc. I'm an award-winning technology executive, having been awarded Most Powerful Women in Canada Top 100 by the Women's Executive Network, WXN, in 2020. But that's not all. I'm a proud author, an international federation of bodybuilding pro athlete, an inspirational speaker, and viral sensation with speeches that have been viewed over 10 million times worldwide. I trust that you are already feeling empowered. So please listen, leave a review, share the podcast, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. For now, I'm your girl. Let the show begin. Great day, amazing humans. Yes! Welcome to another episode of Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. My next guest has spent over 20 years leading teams at Fortune 500 companies and tech startups in Silicon Valley. After experiencing a number of challenges in the workplace from microaggressions from colleagues to desperate to disparate treatment around salary and promotions, she pursued extensive mindfulness training in India to help her manage these challenges. Founder of Reclaiming Flow, love that. She leverages her toolkit of meditation, breathe work, yoga, and much more to teach others, like myself, others, how, how mindfulness can improve their well-being at work despite any challenges that race, gender, or sexuality might present. With Reclaiming Flow workshops on topics like mindfulness to heal from microaggressions at work, countering imposter syndrome with courage and rejuvenation from black fatigue, employee resource groups and diversity, equity, and inclusion teams at companies like Google, Facebook, and Visa are driving employee retention and well-being for their teams. She is a Harvard Business School graduate who applies holistic healing practices to corporate environments. Ladies, gentlemen, people, amazing humans, put your ears together and give her a great big podcast welcome to Z Clark. Yes. I love it. Thank you for that warm introduction. It's so nice to be here today. I love it. And thank you for saying yes. And, and actually it came about, you were, you also spoke at our, my organization. Um, and I heard it was very impactful. And, um, I was like, who's this Z Clark? And I just got like, just, I was like, Oh my God, somebody recommended her for our podcast. And I just connected the two. And I was like, let me, um, cause somebody, we do research on people and somebody had found you, I think on Instagram, on uh, LinkedIn. Mm. And, uh, yeah. So I was like, we're bringing her up to the top and then we sent you. So thank you for saying yes. Of course. I love it. So, there's so much ground that I want to cover, um, but first, would love if you just, you know, talk a little bit about who Z Clark is. 
All right. Well, that could be a long story, a short story. I'll do a short to medium. Um, I grew up in Washington, D.C. Um, I grew up in a low-income, predominantly African-American neighborhood, um, and I got a scholarship to go to a fancy private school in the suburbs. Um, And so, you know, when I teach my imposter syndrome workshops, I tell people that the first time I experienced imposter syndrome was when I was eight years old on the first day of school. I showed up to this what looked like a palace, and all these people had these really fancy cars and like drivers in uniform and I showed up there and I'm the only black person I'm the only poor person and I was like what am I doing here I don't belong here they made a mistake I need to go home so so anyway but that kind of feeling was a theme throughout my you know education and career so I went to Harvard for undergrad studied economics um, started my career in financial services Citigroup American Express in New York City Um, went back to Harvard for business school then I went to Silicon Valley. I did management consulting with Bain for a couple years. Um, And then I worked at big companies like Yahoo and smaller startups. And throughout that time, I was usually the only now the only what well in tech rooms you were just talking about tech in tech rooms often I'm just the only woman period the only woman yep and then black person black woman and with that comes a lot of challenges you know people saying hey are you the new diversity hire or you know just like comments that that kind of like hurt a little bit you know like when I see you I don't see color so a lot of stress I watched younger white male colleagues get promoted a lot faster than I was I found out that white male colleagues were getting paid a lot more yet we had the same title and they had the experience and all of that a lot of chronic stress is serious and it started to have an impact on my physical health and my emotional health so at a certain point in my career i decided to take a pause i went to india i did the black girl version of eat pray love i was meditating i was doing the yoga i was doing breath work i became a sound healer with tibetan singing bowls and you know through all that what i realized is that all of these tools are much more impactful outside of the yoga studio and in the context of everyday life so you know for example when the police um somebody called the police on me at a grocery store and they uh um, they accuse a grocery store employee accused me of stealing deli meat, and so I'm a vegan. And as the police searched my entire car, which I was going on a camping trip, so it was filled with stuff. They went through every single item in the car looking for this meat, deli and meat. I'm a vegan. And so my natural reaction, I grew up in DC, is to cuss them out. But my breathwork practices allowed me to do breathing so that I could stay calm, so that I could leave this situation unharmed, right? And so I'll say that that's, you know, that's with the police, but at work, when people say things that are offensive, at stores, just anywhere, the breathing can really help with the nervous system. So I did a lot of the learning, right? You know, in India and a lot of other places, I was in Peru with shamans doing all sorts of crazy stuff. My business school classmates think I'm crazy. And um, and then I came back and I started teaching. And so now now I teach people of color in the workplace how to heal from the challenges that we face from microaggressions to imposter syndrome, black fatigue, and a lot more. So yeah, that's wow. my story. Oh, I play violin. That's a little sad. Oh, no, that. that's a great, that's a great fact. I love that. And class, classical violin. 
I started in classical, but now for the last maybe 15 years, I just play with bands, sometimes with DJs. It kind of oh, just depends. Wow. That's, that's talented. That's, that's, well, skill. when you get into bands, they're talented, not just a little, that's just a little violin. No. <laughs> big, big, love, love, big, big, massive human you are. So thank you for sharing that. And so as I, you know, if you had to, I'm a big on affirmations. So I am, you know, what's your great I am? Oh, I am. Wow. I am powerful. Mm. And, and I want to explain why, because I didn't always believe that. So, you know, as the poor person, as the black person, I always felt lesser than, and it's only been recently that I have come into my own personal power and, 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 and my power comes from inside from me mm-hmm. not being granted from others. And that's been like a big yeah. recent. Yeah. And power from men is the best power of best power on the planet in my opinion i love that um i can't wait to get into a little bit on um i'm positive but but one is talk a little bit about this season of life that we've all been navigating over the last couple of years and just learned a very cool fact about you but i would say you know maybe through that you know what is um what has z learned about herself in this space of pandemic and quarantine life Mm, you know, um, I, in, in my class, that's rejuvenation from black fatigue. I, I have people go do an exercise, a journaling exercise, and it is finishing this sentence. I feel restored when, so I'm going to answer that because that was your question. But I'm just saying, I encourage everybody to finish the sentence. I feel restored when, and what I learned about myself was that I feel restored when I am in nature, when I am outside connecting with the universe, the trees, the birds, the air. And that's a crazy thing coming from a girl from DC when I just knew about cement, concrete, you know what I mean? I did that. This was not, I went on my first hike when I was 26 years old. Right. So, but, um, but that's, that's what I've learned is that, um, nature is healing. Um, and I have also learned, uh, this, you know, you talk about mantras and, and affirmations today I choose me. Mm. And, and so I had made a lot of decisions based on um, my family, feeling responsible for others, friends, family. I'm the person that people go to, right? And I'm always there. I'm always there. And I wasn't, I wasn't there for me. So I learned how to be there for me. Mm. I love that. I love that. And so your love for nature has taken <laughs> you where in the world? Oh, yeah. So I, I moved to Taos, New Mexico, um, which I just look at mountains every day. And it is so healing, these mountains. You know, there's a reservation here, the Pueblo. And folks have been here, like, with this land. It is so um, powerful and grounding. So that is watching the sunrise, watching the sunset. That, that's what helps me to feel whole so that I can give to others, right? Because I teach, that's what I do, and I need to feel good. So I'm just trying, I want to break this down, and I, I, this was not even a planned question. So you've uprooted yourself yes. and moved during the pandemic? Yes, yes, last summer. And what, what was, like, how was getting to that decision, and what did that, what did that look like? Can you share? Because mm. I'll be honest with you, the reason I, I think so is I feel very empowered by you sharing that. That, that's, mm. that, that's something that you've actually done. And I can't probably tell you there's enough people who have reached that space in the pandemic where they're just, I need something else in my life. You yeah. Know? But it's that taking that step. So if you can even just walk us through the thought process, how did you know why there? Like, how did, how did that come to be? 
well, it started out, but I feel restored when I'm in nature. So yeah. that was the big realization. So then it was like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And what do I really need? Right. And so, and the needs piece, because I will say that the, the population here is pretty small. There aren't that many black people here, not a surprise, right? Though there are a lot of Latinos and uh, Native Americans. Um, but that said, I had to prioritize what was most important to me. And I'll say that I'm in a different life phase, right? Where previously, you know, I wanted to go out all the time. I want it to be at shows and concerts and be, I'm, a, I'm an extrovert. So I moved in the middle of nowhere and I'm an extrovert. I love people. I love hanging out. I want to go dancing. And what I realized is that I don't need those things every day anymore. Yeah. I don't need them every week. I don't need to be going out. I don't need to be socializing. And so what I do is I then do it in chunks. I'm like, okay, well, this is my, I'm going to go somewhere now and I'm going to go visit my friends in different places. I mean, the pandemic, a little bit more complicated, but I, um, but yeah, I had to make a list of what was important to me and prioritize prioritize that list and also realize like, what am I willing to sacrifice? Like what don't I need as much now that perhaps I used to, but it's not an easy thing. And, and, and here's the other thing. You can always move back. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. the thing is like, you put nothing, so much weight. Nothing now, is permanent. This like jobs. Like, Oh my, I remember um, somebody gave me advice uh, when I was early in my career and they were like, you're stressing too hard about this. Your next job is just your next job. And you know what? You're going to have another one after that. Mm. And so, so to not, you know, and even like, yeah, I mean, where you move, if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else, but you know what, if you don't do it, you'll never know. Yeah. Woo. I love it. I love it. Okay. So now let's get into the questions that we actually curated for this experience. So thank you for sharing that. Very inspiring. Um, so the first one I want to talk about, you know what? It was going to be the second, but let's just cover the imposter syndrome. So last year, just the backdrop of this for me is last year I had a real relationship, okay, with the imposter syndrome. At the beginning of the year, I believed it was this thin, and I and I experienced it, and I could I can articulate when I experienced it. And and then I remember I did a, a podcast episode around, and I even was interviewed on a panel, and I did a podcast episode around somebody who talks about imposter syndrome and this and the other. Then mid-year, I met up with this wonderful, amazing human, Carlin Purcell, and she was a guest on my podcast. And we, were, and we got onto the topic around, again, we were talking about microaggressions, and we got into the imposter syndrome. And then she said, you know, she doesn't agree with the imposter syndrome. She calls it imposter moments. And then so this new concept that came to me that says, you know, syndrome is not even a diagnosis. She says not di- it's not like a formal diagnosis, you know, so you have these moments and they're fleeting. And if you can recognize that they come and they go, you know, then you could be kinder to yourself when it does happen. And so she gave some techniques and tactics. And then later on in the year, I was stepping into a, a new spot, a new pl- space in my career. And, uh, and I met with a really just this Shiro in my life, just this powerhouse, you know, powerful from within. And she sent me this text in capital letters after a conversation she had with me. She says, there is nothing imposter about you. And, and then there was a biblical verse, and I read that, and it really talked about how it was formed in my mother's womb, and God knew me before, you know, and he formed me. And, and, and so I left the year, and I, I did an episode saying, there's nothing imposter about me. And ever since then, I recognize when I feel those moments, what I used to name as whether it's a syndrome or, or moments, they're, they're, I get curious. So in that moment, I quickly switch to I'm in a space. I don't know something or I believe something different than what I'm supposed to be experiencing. What is it? What can I ask? 
What can I get insatiably curious about? What am I here to learn? And what can I give with everything that already lives inside of me? Anyway, so that's this journey I had. So I know that you, obviously, you, you have a workshop. And so really want to hear your teachings around imposter syndrome and what you can wow. share. Yeah. Because it's a real thing for a lot of people. It's just that's my personal journey. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, syndrome versus moments. I'm like, okay, sure. Yes, true. But th- that's everything because everything is temporary. Everything is about moments and it goes up and down and all and all the things. Um, gosh, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what the definition of imposter syndrome is. I feel like most people know that, right? Um, but Some men. Some men don't. <laughs> okay, go on. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, it is a feeling that you are an imposter, that you are a fake or a fraud, that you don't, that you're not good enough to, or, you know, smart enough, creative enough, whatever, to be doing whatever you're doing. But here's the highlight for this definition, despite evidence, despite evidence that you can, right? And so... So, yeah, so I, you know, help people to recognize just like that if they have it, what is it, right? Like things like failure is not an option, right? Like being scared to fail is like so, can be so debilitating, Um, you know, uh, not accepting positive feedback very well. Like not, you know, you're in a performance review and someone, you know, if your boss is like, this is what you did well, this is what you did well, this is the, the improvement areas. And then all you do is focus on the improvement areas and the, the things that you did well, you discount them like, oh, they were just being nice or that was a fluke, right? And so we all have these moments, as you just described. In fact, 70% of Americans experience imposter syndrome at some point in their lives. And that is self- uh, you know, saying I, like somebody said, yes, I have versus a lot of people. I don't know if they're at the point where they would even acknowledge it. Um, but I'll share with you a framework um, that I teach on what you can do about it. And it's called WebAV. So each of those letters stands for something. The W is for welcoming the voice. You talked about curiosity. This kind of plays a role in that welcoming the voice. I mean, that imposter syndrome voice. So I actually have people sit down and do a quick meditation to listen when you like, think about a moment when you doubted yourself, think about a moment and there was a voice in your head that said something what did that voice sound like what did that voice say to you right and then I have people write that down and you know for me mine is a British man named Bob okay okay family inherited trauma okay this is not this is not a coincidence that it was a British man named Bob who is sarcastic who tells me I'm not good enough and typically in a lot of jobs I had told me that I was going to get fired okay so so I welcoming the voice is let's just like listen what does this voice sound like I have people name the voice I have people describe what is the tone and write down all the things the voice is saying and then I have people underline the one thing that just really stands out that's always there for me it's you're going to get fired. And the E in WebAv is, if W is welcoming the voice, the E is evidence gathering. So gather the evidence. I have people write down, what is the statement? Mine is, I'm going to get fired. And then I have them make two columns. One column is evidence that supports that statement. And the other column is evidence that disproves that statement. Right. And so, you know, it's like, if you're saying that you're going to like, 
you're going to try really hard to come up with the things that prove that statement, right? But the the, the evidence, facts that disprove the statement, that's that's the, the nugget right there. And sometimes we have problems coming up with that ourselves. And that's when I invite people to think about what would your biggest fan say? What would a boss that loved you say? What would your colleague say? What would your mom say? What would your best friend say? So then you have a list. And what typically happens is that the list of evidence that disproves that statement is usually longer. So, so welcome to voice evidence gathering the b is for breath work and i teach a number of breathing techniques that you can do before you walk into a big meeting or present or you know you have a i'm meeting with the c whatever their title is i'm freaking out what can you do before um but also when you're in the meeting you're standing there especially as a black woman you're typically standing there looking at a bunch of white faces as you're about to present and you're just like i can't be the angry black woman i can't mess up i'm representing the entire black race i got this like so much pressure right and when your heart rate's like oh right at that point that's when you do certain breathing techniques that you ground yourself so the b is for breath work the a is for affirmations and you talked about affirmations earlier well let me tell you a couple tips on the affirmations um you said i am great present tense that's one thing that's very important but research shows that if you say your name rather than Mm -hmm. i it is much more effective so you know the example i give in my workshops is i you know i have a lot of imposter syndrome about my ability to improvise on violin because i grew up as a classical musician where you just like read the thing on the page right and so for me it's z is amazing at violin improv and saying z it allows a certain separation so the emotions behind the eye kind of go away because it's like a separation so and then the idea is to not just write it down or say it but have it repeated over and over i have it put in your calendar it pops up as a notification and it's even more powerful if you do physical poses as well so i don't know if you're familiar with power poses yeah. hbs professor but anyway versions of that while screaming this affirmation yeah, incantations essentially almost that's yeah yes and then the v is for visualization you know research shows that for olympic athletes when they visualize their performance in an event versus when they actually do it it activates the same portion regions of the brain and so that same goes for work visualize yourself doing the thing and then it's gonna happen so web app that's that's what i, I teach. love that web app to conquer the imposter syndrome yes. and so i just it's i, I think um, it's funny um i heard this question asked to um, B- um bazoma st john do you believe that we want, someone can live without the imposter syndrome I mean, I, wow. Like I would love if I would love it if the answer is yes. And I think that there might be some rare individuals that can, but I just think it's so human to have it. Um, and why is that? Because I think it's actually rooted in fear, mm-hmm. right? And we all have fear, and fear can sometimes be a good thing. Fear yeah, can fear, protect fear, you. Yeah, fear and anger right? can be a good thing if it does something to, to something positive, yeah. Exactly. Now, I think it's a spectrum. That's why I don't think it's binary. I don't think it's like, I never have it. I don't, you know, it's kind of like even self-doubt. You can have a lot of self-doubt or just like a tiny, you know, that ping in your heart or your stomach or your throat, just like a tiny, and you could, you could, you could express it and be like, oh, no, no throwing that away but i think that at some point i think everybody has just a little bit of self-doubt and i think it is rooted in fear which ultimately is a survival mechanism i love it thank you thank you well value better listen to that get your web app going um so you talk about microaggressions you shared Mm -hmm. you shared a really really quick story about um one that you've experienced 
you know, how, what are some of the techniques you, you share around healing um, from mm-hmm. that, especially since it's so prevalent in, in corporate spaces? Yeah. So I will always talk about the breath. I will always talk about the breath. In fact, my Instagram, all my social handles are Z Clark breathes, right? Cause I want everybody to breathe. And in fact, I am, um, I'm writing a book or rather I submitted the final manuscript of my book with Penguin Random House. Congratulations. Called called, breathe. Called breathe. breathe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Black people breathe. Black, Black people, people breathe. breathe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I, I bring that up to say the first thing is to breathe. And, and there are breathing techniques that you can do to calm your nervous system when it happens. And the biggest one that I teach is called a belly breath, which is when you take a deep breath in and you make your belly as big as possible on the inhale. And then you exhale and let your belly come towards your spine. And just doing that, you can do it in front of somebody, right? They, they say something obnoxious. You do that, and that calms your nervous system. It stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest. Your sympathetic nervous system is your fight or flight. I am being attacked. That's what you feel like. Your heart rate goes up. Your breath quickens. And so doing the big belly breath in the moment can be very helpful so that you do not respond in a way I describe it as a career-limiting move, right? <laughs> Right. So, so breathing is, and there are many other breathing techniques. I teach one also to release the anger because we can't hold, we can't go to sleep angry. You know about that. Right. So that just breathing, but then I teach a framework called rain. Um, the R is for, I don't like she's got, she's got her frameworks. I know I went to business school, yeah. HBS. We just, I work at Bain. All we do is frameworks. Okay. I, I also make really great PowerPoint slides. Okay. <laughs> So, so rain. And, and, and again, I didn't make this up. Um, a, a teacher named Tara Brock also didn't, but she teaches it a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it goes like this. The R is for recognize, mm-hmm. recognize how you're feeling and name the emotion. We typically, we just kind of keep it moving, brush it under the rug. So like name the emotion I am experiencing anger. Mm-hmm. I am experiencing frustration, whatever that is. Okay. And know that you are not the anger. You mm-hmm. are not the frustration. Yeah. That's yeah. step number one. Mm-hmm. The A in rain is for allow. Mm-hmm. Allow that feeling to be here. It doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean that you like it, but it's just allowing it to feel the feelings. Like this is okay to feel this way right now without judgment. The I in rain is for investigate. And this is back to that curiosity, right? Investigate where am I feeling this in the body? They say the issues are in the tissues. You know, something happened, your shoulders go up. You feel like you got punched in the stomach, you're right? You got that thing in the throat, right? So the I in rain is for investigate. Now I like to focus on where is it in the body because that's what we never pay attention to. But there is also investigate. What is a belief that I have? What is coming up for me? What, what am I to learn here? Why is, why is this coming up? And then the N in rain is for nurture, nurture, make yourself feel better. If you felt a punch in the gut, just take a hand and place it on your belly and breathe there. Or what things can you do to nurture yourself? Take a bath, go for a walk. Call that person that always makes you feel better. Nurture yourself. And so that's what I teach about microaggression. You got to breathe. There's breathing techniques to do in the moment. There's breathing techniques to do when you get home and you are pissed or you experience anxiety because you're like, I'm going to get fired tomorrow if I say something, right? Or like, is this going to happen again? Right. So breathing and then doing the rain technique um, to really feel those feelings. That's something you do when you get home. You can't do that in the moment, but it is very, very helpful to heal. And would you, do you recommend that 
microaggression moments are teachable moments? Like, do we do we teach in these moments or do we leave them? I am a strong believer in listening to your intuition and also prioritizing self-care. Mm. So in some moments, you might feel after you've done some breathing techniques, so you don't like tell them what you it's not. I'm not saying don't tell them what you really think. There's a tone that can be received well. Mm -hmm. And there's a tone where our, I'm going to quote air quotes and say allies Mm -hmm. get very easily offended. The term white fragility is now a popular one. Right. And so I will say that there are moments when we feel called to, you know, once we've calmed down, we feel called to teach and that's great. If you feel that great, but if you feel that teaching is going to harm you, Mm -hmm. I would say, take care of yourself let me give you an example where i i i I shouldn't not shouldn't have but like i was like i had to back up um so i I, sorry side note i teach about morning and evening routines and one of the worst uh morning routines that i had was to pick up my phone as the first thing that i ever did you know alarm clock phone and one morning um the uh there was a a footage of a 15 year old girl um getting murdered by the police and um and so that was the first thing that i saw when i woke up in the morning in bed in bed that's what i saw Oh, you you were in bed, okay. I was in bed, and okay, I walked on my okay, phone, yeah. I saw the video footage of the police killing this girl, and I was really upset about it, because I was a 15-year-old girl, I grew up in D.C., I was in an environment where people, you know, I think she had a knife or something, I mean, I had been around a lot of violence in D.C. growing up, so it would, it, it, that girl could have been me, I'm yeah. just saying, that girl yeah. could have been me, so I was really upset, and so I had a meeting with my boss that day, and he's like, how are you doing, and I stopped saying I'm good, because I feel like I'm done, I'm done mm-hmm. just being good for everybody else. So I was like, I'm not doing that well because I just saw video footage of this 15 year old girl get murdered. And he was like, this is a white man. He was like, but she had a knife. So, you know, I try to teach my children that if you have a knife, that's going to happen to you. Like, basically he said that she deserved it right now. (laughs) That decision, is this a teachable moment? Or, you know, and I tried to teach a little bit, but then I was too emotional. Like this man was not going to hear me and it was going to harm me to have a debate with him Mm -hmm. about the value of a human life. Mm -hmm. So I just was like, well, I prefer not to talk about this right now. Um, What's on the agenda for our Mm one-on-one? Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, it's gut. It's gut. I like, and and I like that. It It was going to harm you. And it was not going to help you. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a key. That's a key indicator. I love that. Thank you. Woo! Okay, and just before I get into Rapid Thrivers, want to cover this whole authentic self. You know, bringing, your, bringing yourself to work. And, and I know a lot of people struggle about how much of my whole self. I mean, I have my, my own thoughts around that, but we'd really love to hear you know, what your belief around that is about bringing yourself, how should we show up for our work Hmm. and for ourselves in a way that serves us the best? Yeah. Um, It's been a journey for me. Um, Let's start with hair. Okay. (laughs) I know this podcast people can't see, but I have a full head of curls, right? Just like, and um, I was 35 when I saw my natural hair. For the first time. Why? Because in my early career in New York City in financial services, it was unacceptable to have natural hair at work. Mm. And now I bring this up to say, 
I have been code switching since I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. Code switching is survival. I have mm -hmm. a friend that says, well, code switching is just like speaking another language. If you go to Italy, you speak Italian. That's just how you get stuff done. It's, it's a skill. Um, and I used to think that code switching was essential for everything. Mm -hmm. So I started code switching by default. I didn't even think about it. I was on autopilot code switching for the majority of my life slash career, because that's just how you, you know, that's, that's what I was doing. Um, and, and then I started realizing that I didn't have to, and now I'm not telling everybody to like tell all your personal business in the workplace. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying be intentional and like, know what decide that you're doing it because I started doing it by default so much so that I was like, wait, who am I? Yeah. And so yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I have people do this exercise where, you know, I say, well, what is the, what do you think the consequences will be if you are yourself at work? Right. And that's a belief. And I'm going to even use the word, a limiting belief. So for me, I thought I wouldn't progress as much as quickly in my career, right. If I wasn't myself at work. And so there's, um, there is a woman named Byron Katie and she teaches this thing called the work and it's four questions of inquiry. One is, is it true? All right. Is my career going to be limited if I'm myself? And I'm like, yes, yeah, true. That's why I said it, right? So the second question is, are you 100% absolutely sure that that, that that is true? And you can't ever be absolutely sure about anything. So you're like, no. And the third step is, who are you? Who are you when you have that belief? Yeah. And who was I? I was scared. I was timid. I was uncomfortable. And I wasn't performing at my best because I was dealing with all these other emotions. Mm -hmm. And the fourth question is, who would you be without that belief? Yeah. And that's when I'm like, I would feel free. I would be kicking ass, taking names, you know, like just, I'd be amazing. And so my thought is, I'm not telling everybody to like, turn down the code switching because at the doctor you got to live with the police mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know there's certain life-threatening yep. situations at work i'll say it depends on the circumstance so you got to ask yourself what is the what is the truth here and there might be some things that you can be yourself mm -hmm. and there might be other things where maybe you decide that you'd rather not touch that. Like, I'll give you an example. I have a good friend who's an investment banker um, and she is not in New York, right? She's kind of in the South. She's at a small boutique shop and she's in her forties and she won't, she won't have natural hair at work. She's like, these are old Southern white men. Like, mm -hmm. I just, I don't want to deal with the questions. Mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with the attention. And so that's her self-care. So mm -hmm. I'll say you do you, yeah. but be intentional about it. Yeah. I, I, man, gosh, I love this. And I think what I love about everything that you've sort of articulated through the conversation around imposter syndrome and around microaggressions, and then even this last part about wholeness, it's just, it's, it's a level of mindfulness. So it's about you, mindfulness, you've just taught us mindfulness is like a lifestyle. Like it's this thin that, and it's a practice and it's something that, uh, you really just need to focus on and breathe the, your book, get your, let's get that book. Let's get that book. Yes. There, yeah. And I think that's what it is. It's, it's making sure that you're always breathing. I love it. So I'm going to take you through some rapid thrivers very quickly. Well, we'll see how quickly they always end into conversation, especially if you blow my mind with something that you say. So when you think of somebody who inspires you, who comes to first, who comes first to mind and why? 
Mm. Um, there is a woman named Dr. Harriet Jenkins. Um, she is no longer with us, but she helped to integrate the schools in Berkeley, California. She also was listed as one of the most influential African-Americans in NASA because she helped with equal opportunity initiatives for like two decades. She basically was like a grandmother to me. And she was the one that would not let me off the hook. She always made sure that I held myself accountable. And she, I'll say, is the reason I do the work that I do today. She was, she was about to die. And she said, I'm not going to be here for much longer. And I am worried about our people. I am worried about our people. And she said, what are you going to do, Z? She she looks at you with those eyes, yeah. and I was like, I don't know, Dr. Jenkins, I don't know what I'm gonna do. How did you meet? How did you how did you get to meet her? Oh my goodness, I was like 11 or 12, and I went to a music camp in California. I was living in DC. I went to my first sleepaway camp, and I met this old woman, and she was not her, just an old white woman, lovely, lovely woman. And she was like, You play so, she saw me play, and she was like, You play so beautifully. Like, where do you live? And I was like, I live in DC. She's like, You need to meet my dear friend, Harriet Jenkins. And so she just introduced us, and this woman took me to my first symphony. She took me to my first opera. She always like would introduce me to people. She'd have these dinner parties she just cared so much and she just she's she's amazing oh, she's, that's she's awesome that's an awesome story thank you for sharing uh what's a daily activity that helps you with your thrive oh <laughs> of all the ones that you teach in that <laughs> I want morning to pages, morning pages. There's a book called the artist's way. Um, and it talks about how you can get creative, like things that you can do to be creative. It's yeah. called the artist's way. And one of the practices there is morning pages. What that means is every morning you write three pages in your journal. Even if you have nothing to say, I have nothing to say, right? You just make sure that pen is moving three pages. And I'm not going to say I always do three pages, but I always do the journaling for as long. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, but what that does is it allows you to get whatever is on your mind out there and that clears the pathway for creativity and productivity. Wow. So I do mine in the evening. Does that count? I mean, everybody should do what they want. You know, here's the thing. There's no right or wrong yeah. answer here. The fact that you're taking the time. Um, I will say the difference is that in the morning, it's going to be closer to what's in your subconscious. Mm. And in the evening, it's going to be closer to what happens during the day. day Does that make sense? Yeah, Consciousness yeah, yeah. is subconscious. Yeah, I like that. Hold on. Get, I'm writing. Anyway, I'm recording this. I can write notes later. That's amazing. Ah. <laughs> what, is, what is a book that has helped you with your thrive? Mm. All right. I have a book that I have not finished yet because it just came out, but this, this woman is fierce. Octavia Rahim. The book is called pause, rest, be okay. Pause, rest, be Octavia Rahim. Why is she amazing? Well, she teaches about rest because, you know, and I'll tell you that I don't know if you've heard of the nap ministry, but this woman in the nap ministry teaches about resting and Octavia Rahim is all about us resting. And we black people, especially black women must rest. There's a term rest as reparations because we, have inherited a lot of this trauma yeah. and we need to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So this preaching of us just like, it's okay to just pause and rest. rest and be, especially when I'm a, I'm a hustler. Yeah, I yeah. mean, this is not come that I teach self-care and yet I'm always doing stuff. Always so doing I need to be intentional like about that. it like everybody else. Pause, rest and be okay. I'm going to put the book name and the author in the show notes. What is one misconception that people have of you Z as they see you in your thrive? Hmm. So I think that I come off as a really confident person. <laughs> And I got imposter syndrome too. And I can't, oh my gosh, this is the biggest one. This is the biggest one. I'm shy. 
<laughs> people are like, you are not shy. What are you talking about? See, this is when things in your childhood actually like remain. And I was just a really shy child because it was really hard to be the only black person, the only poor person in these environments that just, and the mean girls, that concept of mean girls is real. And so I think I have just like remnants of like, what if they don't like me and all that sort of stuff? And I am working through it. And look, I'm here. I'm talking to everybody now. I share like the most like emotional challenges in my life now. And I'm like, oh, care but but still i still got a little of that yeah inside. yeah no i i love that and thank you for sharing that and so where do we find more of you online mm, so zclark.com z-e-e clark with an e at the end um i also have an instagram and a, i just started a tiktok yes my, i my just started too i'm learning i'm learning that. Like, how do these buttons work i feel so old my 19 year old niece is like okay i figured out is- two buttons next and post okay but- <laughs> So anyway, I'm on TikTok, Z Clark Breathes okay. on TikTok. Um, I'm also, I just started a YouTube channel. Um, so, so yeah. Okay. That's where you can find me. And, I and, teach and can we pre-order your book? Uh, not yet. Cause it's coming out. And I just submitted the manuscript. Okay. Now we're doing okay. graphics okay. and stuff. So it comes out early next year, okay. but I will share that I do offer some events. Most of the stuff I do is corporate, but I do offer some events for BIPOC uh, women. Okay. So particularly uh, the third Sunday of every month, I lead a BIPOC women's healing hour okay. where every month there's a theme like February's theme that just happened was allowing love. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. I love it. And as a final question, this podcast is called empowered in my skin. What does that mean to you, Z? Oh, oh, I just got shivers. Okay. Why? Because I don't know if y'all have experienced like an electricity underneath your skin in your body when something's just like feels so right and also is like exciting. As I use this like electricity. Um, that's what empowered, that's that's what just came up for me when you said that. And it's being so i just you you asked me at the beginning what my affirmation or you know i am powerful is what i said i feel like when you can feel your true power just as you are not like there's nothing missing there is nothing missing because you are perfect as you are that allows you to thrive and do all the things that you want to do and bring your magic into this world i love it I love that answer. I love that answer. I love spending energy with you. This was absolutely amazing. Thank you again for saying yes. And um, to everyone that's listening, I know, I know you're empowered. You got a lot of techniques, two frameworks, two frameworks, lots of techniques and a reminder to make sure to always breathe. And so to everyone that's listening, this is sadly where I have to say, we're out. Bye-bye. So there you have it. I hope you are thriving and feeling empowered and thoroughly enjoyed this episode. And remember, whatever platform you're listening to this on, please subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast with someone else that you think can benefit from the tips that were delivered. As Tom Bilyeu says, when we help others think in a way that is empowering, that is the lead domino to create real change in this world. It's been awesome sharing energy with you. It's your girl, and I'm out.